I would rather go after what I really love in life and fail than become complacent in a job or like a company or a position that I hate. Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the No Names Podcast. This is the third installment with your hosts, Wang and Waze. Today, we're going to be talking about overcoming fear, self-doubt, adversity, and rejection. One of the biggest things that happens with this is wanting to get started in whatever you're doing and the fear of what others may think. So without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, so what's kind of unfortunate about the whole creating field, when you want to build something, when you want to create something, right, is that everyone wants to say, like, don't care about what other people think and just do what you want, uh, just do what makes you happy, whatever, but... And the field that we're kind of talking in, like, it really does matter what other people think, you know, like, it matters the most what other people think, because you're creating, like, you want to create for yourself, but at the end of the day, it's how other people judge it and how other people respond to it, that you can build a career or whatever you want to build off of it, right? So it's, that's why it's such a real topic in our field where you want to create that it really does matter what other people think. And it holds, I think both of us have stories of it, but it holds us back and holds many people back from their full potential and actually doing what they want to do is just thinking about the potential of people not accepting what they create, right? So Yeah, no, it, it's definitely something that I know when I was in college, when I had first gotten like an actual camera, it, it was cool. I had like an experience. I didn't really think of myself as a photographer back then. I was just kind of taking pictures. And, um, and I really think this kind of goes for everyone. But like when I was in college, the last thing I was worried about was like starting a brand. But after I started getting into photography a little more, I started hanging out with more photographers, videographers. I was like, all right, I might take Instagram seriously this year. And then it just like the next year, I just said the same exact thing. And, and I kept going because the what what I didn't, what I posted when it came to like photography and everything, it didn't get as many likes in college. I'm like, all right, I want to be cool. I want to get all these, the likes on things. So I was like, ah, I'll just do it later. I, I have time for that later on. And it's never really the right time to start. I think like when you're wanting to, to really grow and, and do something you love, like it's always going to be weird at first. Like when I, I used to have a photography page called glass views and that was strictly photography posted anything I really wanted. I didn't really care about likes on that page. Um, but then the first post, I remember this when I shifted over to just my regular handle, um, I posted one of my buddy Ian and I thought it was a really cool photo from a morning we, we shot down on uh, at Adler. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got like a third the likes yeah. of like everything else. <laughs> and so that's super discouraging when you have something like that. And like your fear of being judged for like what you actually love doing and it not getting the amount of likes. Like it's, it's going to take time before that really starts to take off before you like your audience is, is so used to one thing, but you want it to be something else. Yeah. And the thing with Instagram specifically is that there's literally a number there that tells you how you're doing, you know, like there's a, there's a fine, like there's like an exact number that tells you, Hey, this post didn't do well, you know? And even though that might not be the best judge of it, because people still might think your work is super cool or there's so many things that goes into whether or not someone likes a photo on Instagram. Right. But it's when you see that there's an actual number there and it's lower than you want it to be, it's really discouraging. Right. And I think for the same as me, it was much easier to start like my own photography page and start posting on that but like you said it gets a lot less likes because there's so many less people that are already following you it seems like it's easier to start off with your own instagram page because you already have a following that just follow you right but like you said kind of trying to shift from posting content about yourself to your work it's that's not what people followed you for in the first place right and that's why it's kind of difficult to um it's difficult to make that shift but 
like everything, it takes time and people, hopefully eventually you build a following of people that originally followed you for you, but also over time, people that follow you for your content, right? Because like- So I I have a question for you kind of with that. And I know like early on, like I still have a a thing that kind of tracks like who unfollows me, like just so I'm like, I'm aware kind of that because I nerd out over the analytics, but- when I was starting out, I had people like started posting like what I wanted to post. I had people unfollow me mm-hmm. and I was just like, okay, are the like people I considered like friends or like not close friends necessarily, but like, how would you kind of like see, like, let's say someone you knew in college, like unfollowed you because all you're posting is photography as opposed to like just pictures of you. Well, it dep- it's, it depends. it's a very like yeah. vanity driven when yeah. it comes to like the follower count and everything yeah. like that. It, it, it depends because if... Let's like if you want your Instagram to be your portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. If, if that's kind of like the goal is like that's where you want to show off your work, then if someone is following you but isn't going to interact with it, then like what's the point anyways, right? If like you're not posting any, like if you're not posting just to show off your life, I guess is like what most people use Instagram for, right? Yeah. If you're not doing that, then I guess it's not that big of a deal. Like it happens to everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's not like the biggest thing. And plus, it's like once you get to a point where you have like thousands and thousands of followers, like a few people unfollowing isn't a big deal, right? But when it's less like you do notice it and i think that that is something that's kind of discouraging but at the end of the day like for me when using instagram there's like hashtags there's so many different things you can do where a lot of people that end up liking your photo aren't your followers in the first place right Mm -hmm. it's like it's people that uh are interested in photography and find your work through either like the the homepage or a hashtag or something they're following right and it i would much rather have someone from their follow that's like actually interactive with my page and then vice versa i'll do the same back because that's the new goal of my instagram page right it's not to just show off what i'm doing on a daily basis or like my life it's to promote my work right exactly so like it depends on your focus if you want to do like a mix of both then i see that mattering more but if the focus is to show off your work and have have a place to kind of display your content for other people to finally see it then i think the followers that care more about that are more important like much more important than just anything else right so exactly no i i think that's great advice and and definitely exactly what i would say to like you know quote unquote younger me even though it's like (laughs) a couple years ago um i would say that you know in the in the beginning it's it's going to be different it like people aren't going to be used to it and for some people that's just like not what they want to see on their page and i've i've taken it now to like unfollowing accounts that like I don't really benefit from. I followed more creators because I think that it inspires me at the end of the day. And, um, you know, there are a lot of things like when it comes to then criticism of work and you kind of um, like just transitioning into, all right, now I've got this new audience and, and people like if you ask for criticism on it or if people just like outwardly like post, like take time out of their day to like post a negative comment on there. Um, I, I think it, I, I heard this in, um, you know, I listen to Matt Como a lot. He's mm-hmm. a huge inspiration of mine. He uh, he said, like, when people comment on his work about, like, oh, I would have done this here and mm-hmm. done that there, he, he says at the end of the day, it's like, all right, what have you done? Yeah. Like, if you are below, like, where all my standards are, like, I'm not going to listen to you. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And, and I think that goes a lot with, you know, people – who no matter what you're doing people are going to comment on it yeah people are going to say something about it but you have to take each person with a grain of salt like if it's someone like you look up to in the photography photography community that they uh they comment on your work and say hey just like boost the shadows here or something like that all right maybe next time i'm gonna i'm gonna think about that but if it's someone who like 
only has an iPhone who knows nothing about photography that's saying like, oh, this like I would make this more colorful or anything like that. It's like you're not like who I'm making this for. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's I think all opinions do matter to a certain extent. Right. But some people some people just want to comment something negative just to do it. Right. They don't yeah. they don't actually have criticism for your work. They just want to say something just to make it seem like they know what they're talking about. And that make happens it seem a lot. important. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. they like they wish they could create something. They wish they could put themselves out there. So instead of creating themselves, they'll judge other people's work. It's, kind of, yeah. <laughs> this this quote, I, lo- I just heard it. It's uh, it's a lot easier to criticize than it is to create. Exactly. And yeah. I think that that's exactly what you're saying. It's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. I think and Casey said that or someone said that. He was one of the it, people it's that said that. Probably, it, it was from one of the podcasts I listened yeah. to with either Rory Kramer or Matt Como. Yeah. Those two guys are just like who I listen to quite a bit because mm-hmm. they're on a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... And back, kind of back to what what uh, K, say Casey. I mean Casey Neistat. He's like a YouTuber vlogger. Uh, we talked about him a little bit before, but he always says that it's like you said, if you're the one putting yourself out there and creating, like I would, he would only listen to advice or criticism from someone else if they were also creating as well. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like if you think you can do it better, then you do it better and show me, right? Don't just tell me to do it better because I'm the one putting in the work already. You're just the one sitting there watching you're taking 10 minutes out of your day. I'm putting in 24 24 hours out of my day. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like, if someone is willing to do that though, then that's going to be great advice. And that's someone that you should take that advice from, right? But if it's someone that's just basically just hating just to hate because they, they're too lazy to create themselves, then it doesn't really matter what they say, you know? Like you can, you can still listen to it, but it's like, don't take that advice or that criticism personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of like, it, it, it's hard sometimes because you get in your own head. Like when people say stuff like that, you're like, oh, is it actually this? Like when you take it at surface level, like it's very like you look at it and you're like, damn, did I like actually mess something up? But then you like look a little deeper. You think about it. It's like, all right, I did this for a specific purpose. I yeah. like these in this area. And I, I think um, when you get to it, the only way that, that it really will bother you is if you continue to dwell on it mm-hmm. because then it's going to affect your mindset like moving forward. And, and that's always going to be tough. And, um, you know, it it's never going to be easy taking that first step. The first one through the wall is always the bloodiest. Yeah. But uh, I, I think once you do it, you, like, at the end of the day, you're going to look back at it. And we always say this. Like, it's going to be hard. But when you look back at it, it's going to be so worth it. Yeah. I remember when I first started, I cared so much about all the little things. Like, shoot did this picture match my grid like what does my first nine pictures look like all these little things like what order should i post blah 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 right and that kind of fear of wanting it to be perfect makes it so i delayed posting like for so long right i like i didn't want to post because i was like this isn't how i want it to look right now like perfectly so i'm gonna keep waiting right but at the end of the day it's like if you're constantly creating you have you're constantly having new work ready to be put out it doesn't really matter if it's like a like perfect right and we always say like done is better than perfect and i was just about to bring that up. yeah and that's just it's much easier said than done because when you are putting yourself out there like you want it to be perfect you want to show your your best foot forward right like i think you, creators are the worst about it some yeah. of the times because when you're when you are putting yourself out there you want everything to be perfect at the end of the day it's never going to be perfect yeah or else you would never post yeah but then if you care so much about it being perfect that's when those criticisms really hurt you right yeah because it's like i know that every single if i looked at any photo i ever posted even my favorite ones like i can name a hundred things i want to change about it right like looking back but i'm proud of what i've done already so i'm just going to put it out there 
right? It's like, I'd rather just move on to the next task and take on something even bigger than dwell on this that I've already been working on for hours, right? Exactly. So if you care so much about it being perfect, that's when even small criticisms are really going to get to you because your goal was perfection. So then now when anybody notices anything wrong, like you're going to realize like, shoot, I didn't hit that goal, right? But if your goal is just to create and put yourself out there, like you already hit your goal. It doesn't matter what people say about it, right? You already like, when they're still looking at your old work, you're already making new stuff. You're already on the next step, right? So that's that's a good point. And I think like to kind of jump on your your grid thing, like I, I was so like being in marketing and working with an agency and you have a brand that has to have like an aesthetically pleasing grid. And we had two brands that were under the same product umbrella that had to have similar grids but like one was lighter one was moodier Mm -hmm. and when i started posting more frequently on my instagram page i without thinking actually started to come into my own editing style Mm -hmm. and when i looked back at like all right the last four months worth of content they all had a very similar editing yeah and and I've begun to notice like how I edit portraits is is one way, and that's starting to become my style in there. How I edit landscapes, very like one direction, but very different than my yeah. my portrait. Yeah. So I think like it's it's cool like when you just start doing. You can um, in, in one of the books I'm reading now, it's actually called The War of Art. It um, it talks about resistance, and resistance brings brings out a lot of. Uh, a lot of faces basically mm-hmm. and and resistance is something that keeps you from you know moving forward keeps you from doing something and when you get into like a creative block or you get into this mindset that like oh it's not going to be good enough if you just sit down and do it you're just going to continue doing it and it's going to keep going it might not be exactly what you want at that time but as long as you're making progress, you're never going to become complacent. Yeah, like there's like a saying that's like it's easier to steer something that's already moving than try to steer something that's like not like that's still, right? Yeah. It's like if, if you get the ball rolling, like it's much easier to pivot into something you want it to be versus just thinking hypothetically about what it could be and not actually working on it, right? So Exactly. Yeah. So kind of transitioning into, you know, another thing that we, we wanted to talk about today is, is kind of like adversity or failing. And I think like one of the... Um, the biggest things I, I've heard, I can't remember, I might, I'm going to screw this quote up, but it's uh, a failure is only bad if it's not a lesson. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that, yeah, I, I don't think I said it right, but, um, the biggest thing is learning from what a failure might be. And that's why I think like failing is a good thing mm-hmm. because you're always learning. You're always going to be progressing. Like you might mess up in 99% of the time. If you're a new business like me, like I'm going to screw 10 things up next week. Mm-hmm. So learning to better yourself through failing is is a great way to grow as as an individual yeah especially like if you're opening a business this goes for anyone beyond like creators like anything like that whatever your business is you're gonna mess stuff up especially like no one is gonna get it perfect every single time yeah and i think being scared of failing makes you miss out on a lot of opportunities and i can like attest to this because I, i know there's a lot of shoots that I either turned down or kind of shied away from because I was like, I don't know how to do that. You know, like I've never shot anything like that before, so I'm just not going to do it. Right. But eventually when there was one time I was asked to shoot a fashion show and I've never done anything like that. Like my world is products and landscapes, right? Like people like portrait, that's one thing, but standing on like out, out of a stage and shooting onto a stage where the lighting's different, everything's so different. Like that's not my world at all. Right. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to figure it out and make it work, right? And 
it was one of the most challenging things I've done just because I felt like I didn't have the right equipment. I felt like I didn't have the right uh, like skill set to do it. But I just said, you know what? I, I, it doesn't really matter. I'm just going to go for it, right? Because they need somebody. And if I say no, then I don't know what they're going to do. So I was, I was kind of put in a place where I had to do something where I thought I was going to fail at. But I just said, whatever, let's do it. Um, but I think, well, to kind of go off that, like, I similar to when I started shooting proposals, mm-hmm. like, dude, the first two ones, I felt like I was going <laughs> to throw up yeah. right before. Like, I was so nervous. Yeah. But one of the quotes that you actually, like, it came from you mm-hmm. was, um, what did you say? So you said... They're not going to know what you don't get. Exactly. And yeah. so, like, as long as you hit, like, your shot list, everything yeah. in between, like, they couldn't, they wouldn't know. Exactly. You're, you're the one that has a checklist of things you want to shoot, right? But no one else knows that. So, if you had 30 pictures you wanted to get, like, these 30 exact pictures, and you got 25 of them, they'll be happy with the 25. They won't, they won't know you missed out on five, right? Yeah. It's like, we're the ones that are in control of that situation, and we're, we're the experts, right? Yeah. When people ask us to shoot for them, we're the experts. So they're going to trust you more than anything else. They might have like a plan or a vision of a few things, right? You can help them with that. But it's like, at the end of the day, just being confident that like you're the person that knows what they're doing, even if you don't know exactly like how to do everything, but you just put your best foot forward and put your skill sets to it. Like people are going to be happy with your work. Like it's as long as you, how do I say it? It's like if you are so scared of messing up where, you're just being, you're just taking pictures just to take them. And then for example, like the fashion show, right? If I just took pictures that were like, whatever, because I was playing it safe, right? I was like, I don't want to make this look crazy. I'm just going to do as basic as I can and send it over. Like they wouldn't have liked that, right? But mm-hmm. I tried to apply my skill set as much as I could. And those ended up being the photos that people like the most, right? So Exactly. And I think like when it, you start to get hired more, like so, some of my stuff, people are starting to recognize my style. Like, obviously not, like, if I had 15, 20,000 yeah. followers, but at the end of the day, like, they're thinking, okay, this is his style, this is what we're probably going to expect from the shoot, and mm-hmm. if it's, like, vastly different, they're going to be like, all right, what the hell is this? Yeah. And uh, I, I think that it's just, it's really cool to kind of um, see afterwards, like, you for me like i don't know if it was the same like when i did the the concert for two friends i shot theirs and then proposals i usually like i black out yeah like i have an idea of like what i want to do but i don't remember anything in between like yeah a and b that's mm-hmm. it's always well you're just thing. in the zone like you're yeah. just shooting you know you're like i, I just want to don't think about it everything becomes second nature yeah and it's a good and bad thing right because there's parts where it's like you know, the, I think I think the thing I tell myself the most when I'm shooting something that's like fast paced, moving, I'm like, I'll just do it in post. Like if like if oh, dude, yeah. sometimes it is the best thing and the worst thing yeah. at the same exact time. It's like oh my uh, my ice was too low. I'm just gonna figure it out in post. Like I'll I'll just take this picture now and figure it out later. You know, and it's like it's a good thing because you know like your capabilities and you know like okay I can I can do this much that I didn't catch in the camera like afterwards and fix it. But sometimes when you aren't able to fix it in post, you're like, I just completely missed a few shots right here, right? So it's um it's a good and bad thing. But I think that's that's probably the thing I tell myself the most when I'm shooting like something fast paced, like uh, like a concert or like a fa- fashion show or something like that, right? I'm just like, I'll I'll just figure it out in post. I'll do this later. Yeah, but. no, that was the biggest thing is like when I did my first proposal, I uh, I literally had the spot. I was I was there probably 20 minutes early. Again, felt like I was gonna puke. Yeah, and. Or no, this is the second one. And I get in post and I'm like, there's like four people in the background. Yeah. So I spend probably 45 minutes on one image just taking four people out of the yeah. background. And that's where posts can save you a lot of times. Yeah. But it's just like, all right, if I grossly underexpose something, yeah. then it's like, 
it's uh, a bad probably picture. Could've, you know, like you got to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of continuing with how you deal with adversity and everything like that, rejection is another big thing that kind of comes up. And you and I have probably both gone through the same thing. Like when I first got out of college, it took me six months to land a job. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> for six months, I bartended for like all of two weeks. Yeah. And just doing odd and in like type of jobs trying to make any kind of cash and like probably got rejected from a hundred hundred application or i applied for at least a hundred jobs got rejected from maybe 50 60 of them other ones i didn't hear back at all um and then after about a year and a half i started applying or a year and a half with with my first company i started applying for other jobs and started to get some traction but still rejection and it it weighs on you man. Mm-hmm. especially like the beginning of the um the pandemic like i was just about to do what i've already done and start my own business but i still i just kept getting rejected from yeah. so many jobs and what sucked was i had three interviews lined up with cut like Goldman Sachs movement, like all these companies that I, I was like, all right, these are cream of the crop. These are mm-hmm. cool companies to work for. All of them got frozen. Yeah. And then everything kept getting frozen yeah. or people just stopped hiring altogether. Yeah. And it's when it comes with, I guess, the more business world and jobs like that, right? And the whole application hiring process, there's, I'd say it's about 50-50 of things that you can control, things you can't, right? And mm-hmm. I'd say like for when I was in the job search, I'd say about I think my junior year, I'm not going to name the company because I don't want to blackball them or whatever, but it's mm-hmm. like I was basically offered the job, right? And I, so I stopped applying and everything. Uh, it was a great company. I uh, loved the position. And then like a, a few weeks afterwards, they just said, we're getting rid of this position. Like we're I'm not, we're, we're sorry. Like we're, we're no longer having this position this summer. Um, like we can help see if we can find another position in the company. But like basically that's they're just saying that just to say that, right? So that's an example of things outside of your control, right? And yeah. then the parts inside your control is like the interview, applying, networking, uh, networking, all that stuff, right? So when you don't get the job you want or something like that, it's not always on you, right? It's yeah. some, it's a lot of the times like you don't know what's going on behind the scenes at the company. No, and that's that's a big thing that, that I didn't realize at first too is like once we started hiring and I was a part of that process, yeah, exactly. like even it was it was going to be my boss. Mm-hmm. I was a part of the hiring process. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, we're like, this is why it takes so long yeah. a lot of the time in mm-hmm. hiring is like we're dragging our feet. Yeah. So it, I, I understand it now. I have a more of an appreciation for it in a lot of companies. Like I get like someone not being the fit for the role or you have to freeze hiring one pandemic. That's like, it makes sense. Yeah. It's either like, uh, you don't have the money to do it. Like you don't have the time to train somebody. That's another big one. It's like, if everybody's super busy, like it takes a lot of time to train somebody, right? It takes a lot of resources. And if you aren't able to handle that right now, it's like, even if it benefits you in like a few months after this person's completely trained to work, it's like, you don't have the time to do that right now. Like so many things go into the back end of hiring. And until you're on that end, you don't realize what really becomes, goes into it. Almost becomes an opportunity cost. At that exactly. Point. Exactly. And for example, in my company, like, our part, it's like, we would love to have more people hired on, right? But it's we're just all so busy that it's difficult to find the time to train somebody, right? And then if you want to train somebody, it's um, it takes resources away from and time away from people that could be getting their work done, right? And because of that, it's difficult to always hire, even though even though we need somebody, right? So it's there's so much that goes on that you don't know about where you can't like the whole failure thing, like you can't just put it on yourselves, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you can think about what you can do better and 
you can always ask like what like what kind of person were you look guys looking for like to, to the company right but or something that you could have done like it, it it might not be like a what they were looking for it's like all right i didn't get it but like what could i do better like for myself yeah like how how could i improve like i get it that i, I didn't fit and i would always do that when i got rejected from mm-hmm. a job i would always ask like all right if, if it was like an hr thing that reached yeah. out to me not yeah. like a bot yeah i would say like what could i do better mm-hmm. in the future like how could i better represent myself yeah and you also don't always know what a company is looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Because, for example, for the position I'm at, um, I, it's an investment finance company, right? And I have no background in finance, right? So, like, how did I get the job? But when I actually became a part of the team and started communicating with people and working, what I realized was that it matters way more about the, the team aspect than the actual skills aspect because you can learn everything on the job right it's like yeah. you could take someone that has no skills or no background in the field but teach them everything but if they're able to be a good fit for the team that matters way more right and vice versa for some other positions like no like this is a very technical position like if you don't know what you're doing like you will not get the job right like you have to jump right in and start coding or, or doing whatever like this is what the requirement is right exactly. so it depends on the position as well and it's difficult to know what they're exactly looking for because you want to represent yourself in that way, right? But it's also difficult to represent yourself in every single aspect. But um, that's that's why the whole job search thing is so difficult and so true, especially during a pandemic. Like, it's 10 times harder for people. So like, we, right, we feel for you yeah. if you have been or still are in the position of, like, trying to look for a job, like, trying to find... It sucks. Yeah. Like, it is not fun. It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it weighs on you. And, you know, life, like... It, it's always it's not always going to be ups like mm-hmm. there's going to be downs to come with the ups and we yeah. always say that between the highs and the lows are what develops you the most and you're never going to look up and instantly like jump from you know the lowest of the low to the highest of the high and like develop immediately yeah you develop over the course of time you develop who you are who you want to become and you look back and you're like, all right, that's that's it. That's yeah. where it, it was is the in-between. Yeah. It's not something you can see while you're going through it, right? Mm-mm. You can never see. It's always uh, looking back. Exactly. And uh, when we say this, we're not saying this from like a high point, like, oh, we've already made it. You know, like we're, we're, oh, we're going through the weeds it. right now. <laughs> we're going through the weeds with you guys. You know, we're trying to figure it out as well. But just hearing from other people, and that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is like, taking that advice from people that have made it and their stories and how they made a name for themselves. Like we want to see what they did and gather that advice and share with you guys, but also take that advice ourselves and propel ourselves forward. Right. Cause we're all have the same goal of trying to make our name for ourselves. So exactly. No. And, and I think that's a great transition because now we're going to talk about success and like how, how you need to work to get to where you want to be, like what your, whatever your end goal is for this new, you know, year or five mm-hmm. year or 10 year, whatever it is. And I think like a great quote to start it is same podcast I'm going to go to. It was Matt Como was on blank canvases mm-hmm. from uh, the iconic guys. So like, if you don't know what iconic is, they sell canvases that are, it's like, you know, those old motivational posters that you see oh, in like yeah. the eighties, mm-hmm. like typical office. They said, all right, we don't want it to be boring. We want it to be something dope. That's going to be on a canvas in like a 20 somethings apartment. Or, some, or like ghosts just partnered yeah. with them, stuff like that. And so something that Matt talked about was uh, working hard isn't the key. Mm-hmm. Working harder is. Yeah. And so it's 
ta- it was talking about like his process at working at GoPro and then developing his own brand on the side. And it makes you think like, all right, what could I be doing more like on top of what I'm already doing to help supplement my own growth? Like if you're, if it was you, for instance, at your company, but you wanted to grow your own brand on the side, how hard do you have to work like outside of uh, your other the other full-time position to grow the side hustle. Yeah, and it's really easy to make the excuse like you don't have time, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you want to start your own company, like I've read books and everything and they talk about how much time you need to put in, but it really doesn't matter too much how much time you put in, it matters what you're doing, right? It's like- How efficient it, you are. Exactly, how efficient you are, but also what you're putting that time towards, right? Mm-hmm. So if your goal is to grow your Instagram, then, there really isn't much else to do except for creating content and then tracking your analytics to find the best time to post and then interacting with profiles. Like that's something you can do throughout the day, right? But if your goal is to start a company like on its own, then that's gonna be something you have to devote way more time into, right? And whether that's late nights or weekends or um, your lunch break or whatever, you know, like you have to find the time to do that. But at the end of the day, there's always time to put into whatever side hustle you want. Cause the only time there's not enough time is when there's a deadline, right? When you have like, I need to get it done by this day on this year, right? That's the only situation where you're like, I don't have, have enough time because I won't meet this deadline, right? But if you're just creating for yourself and trying to build something, there's no deadline to make it by. So as long as you're working and making progress, like there's gonna be times you can make more progress and times you make less, but you're not behind on a schedule because you're working for yourself. You're, you're building it for yourself, you know? But mm-hmm. So I think that's 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 at least my perspective where it's like unless there is a strict deadline then there is a chance of not having enough time for something. But if you're just creating then there's no rush, you know? Like you can work at your own pace, but that's also where like motivation and everything comes in as well, right? But Yeah, and and that can be applied to really any goal you have. Um you can always assign like a number metric to it. Um we always you know, go back to Instagram because it's it's what everyone's on. It's really easy to kind of grasp like have the our our audience, our listeners, you guys, um, how you guys can grasp something that we're wanting to explain. Maybe we're explaining it at a broad level, but we want to make it more granular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whenever it comes to like when you start working with other clients or you work with other people who aren't within your own business or like whatever you're doing, I always, I didn't like this when I first heard it is under promise over deliver Mm -hmm. because I felt like, all right, you're selling yourself short. You're selling your capabilities short. One, one thing I heard from Andy Frizella, the CEO of first form, he's CEO of God knows how many companies, but it was over promise over deliver Mm -hmm. because I know what I'm capable of and I know what their expectations are. Yeah. Those are those are the two things that you can take at the beginning of a project and you can say, all right, you know, I have to come up with 25 assets and we have three hours to shoot, whatever it may be, and you end up with 30 to 35 assets. That's still like over-delivering. Yeah. So no matter how small it is, I, I think like doing more than what's expected of you will never go on. It, it, it might go unnoticed like, in little increments, but it will always be appreciated. I think is probably the better way to put it. Yeah. Um, my dad always like dad had a crazy work ethic when he was a coach and he 
always told me like very modest guy so like if you went up and talked to him about like swimming he would not tell you like he's got like multiple national championships Mm -hmm. he's in two uh njc2a hall of fames Mm -hmm. um but he said when i was a coach i never got paid for morning practices Mm -hmm. and he had morning practices every day (laughs) when i was a kid i was like why do you get up so early and then i went with him one time and i never did it again until i was like in high school that i had to do it for sports and he always said, like, I get paid the same amount whether I'm at a morning practice or we don't have it. And he was more focused on the success. He knew that if they only had one practice in a day, they weren't going to be as successful as if they had the two because it's just the discipline within that. And you, I mean, when it comes to conditioning, like he would obviously lay off like some of the morning practices towards the end when they were gearing up for nationals. But it's more of the thought process or the the eth- the work ethic that he's instilling in the swimmers at, at that point mm-hmm. is... You know, I'm getting a finite amount of money no matter what I do. I can either make the most of it or I can coast. Yeah. And I think part of that is that's when you know you're doing something you like to do, Mm -hmm. right? When you're, let's say like the side hustle you have is what you actually want to do, right? Whether that's creating, whether that's a company, whatever it might be. If that's what you actually want to do, like you're going to work harder in your current job or current things to make time to do what you want to do right exactly and then when that time comes yeah and when that when that time comes like time will fly and you'll get you'll get it done and if you're not feeling that and you don't have that feeling of like just losing time and not realizing you worked for four or five hours straight on the project right then that's a good sign you're not doing what you want to do right but then if you do have that that's a sign that that's maybe what you actually want to do exactly and um with that it's that's why so many people that's that's why like, this whole idea of like starting a side hustle right is like such a big like buzzword and everyone wants to do it because your side hustle ends up being what you actually want to do for most people right it's like i'm working this job now because i have to but if i could at any moment in time drop what i'm doing right now and work on this full time like i would right mm-hmm. if finance whatever wasn't an issue like money was an issue like there's no responsibilities i would do that right so the problem now is how do you transition from what you're currently doing to that side hustle and making it actually your, your, your main source of income or whatever you want it to be. So, yeah, no. And, and I think I, I keep referencing like other podcasts and everything, yeah. but I've, I've been in like a mode I've been driving a lot lately. Yeah. So I've, I've tried to listen to more podcasts on music um, just because like I found blank canvases and I was like, all right, I already like the iconic guys. Like mm-hmm. might as well listen to their podcasts and, and listening to people who are, who are in positions that you want to be in someday. Yeah it's only going to help you yeah. really envision your future. And I think one of the, the things that I it, it, I heard something somewhere, and this is kind of like how I interpret it, was I would rather go after what I really love in life and fail than become complacent in a job or like a company or a position that I hate. Mm-hmm. And becoming complacent, like complacency is the, the detriment of so many, yeah. like the death of so many dreams and everything like that. And it's also the same thing with self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Like, doubt kills more dreams than anything. So those those two things, I think, like, I would rather go through life knowing I failed. Like, I tried something that I really enjoyed and failed at it. Like, if this business right now failed, I there, there there's no, like, backup plan at the moment. And, um, like, when I first started it, I sat down. I was like, all right, this is how much I have in my bank account. These are my expenses. This is how long I can last. If I earn no income for the next, you know, four four to six months, whatever it is, then I'm dead. I have to, like, go do some other job. And 
that's where I, I love this quote. Um, it's the burn the ships quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I, I'm going to bring the guy up. I have it set like on my safari. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the reasoning behind it was um, Hernan Cortez. He, uh, they were arriving to the new world and they, they basically, the thought process is there's no second option. Yeah. You're going to burn the ships. And if we're going home, we're going home in their ships. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, like it's really nerve wracking. Like it, it's like thinking, all right, I don't have any options right now. Like this is it. This is the only thing. And Mm -hmm. I think if you start to let other thoughts of like, all right, if this fails, like, what am I going to do? Yeah, you're going to have those thoughts, but you have to put all of your focus into this. Yeah. And having multiple things going on at one time isn't a bad thing. Yeah, like with with that, it's there's always this one like conception of like, if I want to start my own job, I got to quit my job, right? I got to mm-hmm. just risk it all, just go for it. And if I fail, I hit a wall and restart, right? But I forgot what book I was reading, but it was, I want to say it's, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but basically they were saying that there's nothing wrong it's actually smarter to minimize risk when trying to pursue something mm-hmm. right so like if you're able to work a job but also pursue your side hustle like that's better because now you don't have to worry about expenses and finances right while fully focusing on your side hustle as well right? yeah but no, that's not no, now i'm not advising to like go quit your job exactly today no, yeah. like don't do it i like the reasoning behind mine is my photography stuff was starting to take off mm-hmm. just just enough to where i knew that if I did it full time, exactly. I could do it. You were already measuring the risk. Right? Exactly. So it's the whole idea of like entrepreneurship. Like people love those stories where it's like, I quit my job. I did it all. And I could be wrong here. Right. But I'm pretty sure when I was reading about Microsoft and Bill Gates that, you know, the whole thing where he like he, he dropped out of Harvard and then um, went and started Microsoft. Right. Uh, I, I don't know his full story, but that I mean, that sounds about right yeah so he dropped out of school and then went to start microsoft and uh it became huge and everything but people love to fantasize over like oh see he dropped everything and he went and created his company but in reality he took a leave from school so like if microsoft failed he wasn't going back and finish school you know so even one of the most great like popular success stories it's like even he was minimizing risk you know so it's like that's not something that is a key to success is what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. it's, it's, it helps, right? Cause it motivates you. It's like a very big motivator. Like knowing that if you hit the wall, then you have nothing else, but it's like, it's not an element you need. So exactly. No, I, and, and I agree with that. Uh, I, I think you could understand like when your parents, you, you, like I told my parents, I was like, I, I'm really just, they could tell that mentally I was just done with, with the job I was at mm-hmm. and it was starting to weigh on me. And I, I never want to like badmouth the company I was at because I do, they taught me so much. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, I made connections there and I think it was just time for me to leave. And it had been time for me to leave for a while, but I, I kept working and you know, I'm not just going to be done. Yeah. Like I'm not just going to say that I'm so you have working. a certain amount of responsibility. Yeah, once you have to like there. fulfill those responsibilities, but I got to the point where it was just, I knew that this was what I needed to do mm-hmm. because I had the rest of my life to figure it out. Yeah. I can mess up now. I'm 24 mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, I'm a few years removed from school, but I have like, I have the experience. So betting on myself was, was the best thing that I could do at yeah. that point. And yeah, so like there are headaches that I still have, like anxiety, like all of this stuff that 
you know, it's going to fail. But at the end of the day, this is the anxiety that I would rather have. Exactly. It's like worry about things you would rather worry about, you know, exactly. like choose, pick your battles there. Yeah, no, I, I think that then this too can kind of relate to, like, I wanted to talk about 2020 <laughs> and the year sucked. Like it, today's <laughs> uh, December 30th. Mm-hmm. So we have about a day and a half left of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the big thing is, is while this year might not have been like the easiest to get through or anything by, by that means. And what it did present was opportunity in the form of learning. Mm -hmm. And you, I, I know specifically I learned a lot about myself this year. And while there might not have been as much success as like what you would have had in 2019, if you were doing something very similar where a lot of brands like have budgets to work on Mm -hmm. certain things, or you can go work with other people. Um, I think you take all of your learnings from 2020, no matter what it is, whether it's good or bad, and you apply it to 2021. Yeah. If anything, learning and application. If anything, like not being able to do what you want to do for a whole year is going to fuel you to, take those risks and do what you want to do exactly. the following year, right? It's like, hopefully over the course of this year, it's, you've had a lot of, everyone's had a lot of time to think about what they actually want to do, um, done prep work, whatever, even if you haven't, like now there's still time to do that, you know, like quarantine's not over or whatever, but yeah. it's like, there's, you're always going to say, I wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah. But now that the opportunity was taken away from you for a whole year, it's like the next time you have it, like, don't, don't hesitate. I'm doing what you want to do exactly because a whole year is already gone just out of out of our control you know things Mm -hmm. that are external but that doesn't mean we can't focus on the internal part and get everything ready on our end like what's that saying like luck is what happens to the people who are prepared like yeah luck is uh what is it training and or preparation meets opportunity yeah exactly it's like do your part and then the the luck part quote-unquote will come eventually right things things will get rolling so no, and I think a big thing for me personally, like we can talk about this too, is all, like in 2021, I think authenticity is going to be a huge thing when it comes to building your audience. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in our position and you want to build a following, or if you're in any content creator position, you want to build a following, I think authenticity is going to start coming through more and more through 2021 like 2020 was huge for authenticity i feel like for a lot of creators that at least i was following they Mm -hmm. were starting to show their struggles because it it's definitely um who someone is um or like the perception of someone and who they actually are can be two greatly different things yeah and i think that's where authenticity will play a huge part in a lot of people's 2021 Mm -hmm. and we don't see what goes into what the, the final product. You right? see the end product. Exactly. That's we it. see the end product. We see this cool video, one minute video they put out, whatever it may be, right? But we don't see the hours they put in beforehand, all the failures they had, all the nights they didn't sleep because they had to focus on one thing, right? We don't see any of that. But I think this year, like you said, a lot of creators started showing the struggles through their content, right? Whether it was vlogging it or like... Showing you're one of them. Exactly. Like you're like, you're a normal person. They were just like, hey, this project's delayed for a few months, even though I've been hyping it up for the last like six months. Like it's just not possible, right? Like seeing that everyone's human too. Everyone's just work working the same and everyone's hit, getting hit with the same struggles. It was a very, 
I don't, it's not a good thing, but it's a very like unique situation where it almost motivates you because you're like, Hey, they're working just like I am. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, if the only difference is they put in more work than me. Right. And if that's the only differentiation between you and them, then like that should be motivation to work more. Exactly. So, no, I, I think like one of, one of my, like my mentor, Alex, uh, I've referenced him. He's the shy shooters guy. I like talk with him a lot because he's very open about mental health Mm -hmm. like and how he like will come back from trips and stuff and like he'll he'll get all of his work done for clients and stuff but like he's depressed like work on his personal stuff and seeing someone who's already bigger in the industry being open about you know what they're going through mentally it can like you said it helps you kind of frame everything in your life and it humanizes people yeah like it makes it seem like your goal is actually attainable exactly attain it like they're not just someone else they're not just this unreachable figure figure on a screen they're someone behind the screen Mm -hmm. and then i think a really big example of that is like i always talk i talk about christian guzman a lot but he's been working on this this gym and this whole like expedientry he's been doing recently and it's been crazy delayed because of covid right he's trying to like rebuild this entire building and everything but the amount of delays it's ha- that it has is insane, but he's still pushing through it. But he's had a tone like push back on his own content and post less in order to focus on this project more. And everyone sees that. Everyone sees the work he puts in. So it it's really a unique situation where you get to see the struggles of people because it makes you realize that you can do it too. You know what I mean? It's like it also makes you realize how much work actually goes into things. And I think. That also shies some people away from it. They're like, there's no way I can put in that much work, you know? So, like, maybe this isn't for me, you know? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like it really opens the window on what the field is actually like and how much work actually goes in. Because if we're only, like, if we're watching vlogs, you see 10 minutes out of someone's life every day, you know, we only see the highlights. And, like, social media is all just the highlights of people's days, you know? But when we get to see everything else that goes in, it's like, is that something what I actually want to do? So, exactly. No, and I, I think, like, as we, we do close 2020, if there's, um, you know, anyone out there who's who's really wanting to make a name for themselves, this is, yeah. <laughs> hence the no names. Um, if there's anyone out there who you feel like you're in our position and, you know, you have questions for us, like, reach out to us. We are ready to take on 2021 just as much as you are, and we're gearing up. We're hoping that as more things open up, we'll be able to travel and get our vlogs back up and everything like that. And we're very excited to bring in guests finally to yeah. uh, to the No Name Show. And it there's there's a lot that I'm excited for for the new year. And you know, I think there are a lot of big things to come. Yeah, definitely. And I think having this quarantine COVID delay, it's just a delay. You know, it's just mm-hmm. postponing a couple things you want to do. Like we still have big things in store, and they're going to be coming really soon. So, so. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the No Names Podcast. Again, we are Wang and Ways. And if you want to reach out to us on socials with any questions or any feedback, we would be more than happy to talk with you. And we'll see you in 2020. Yep, 2021. (laughs) Ah, It's already starting. Yeah. (laughs)